this is the episode that I really want to kind of focus on parents and leaders of youth um, and anyone else who's interested in helping protect our youth and helping them grow up healthy and happy when it comes to sexuality. Because this week in Come Follow Me, we have a really good chance to talk about it with our kids. And the theme even for this week's episode that they put in Come Follow Me, it's called Be Perfectly Joined Together. And, you know, of course, it's talking about the church and unity, but it's also really good to talk about chastity as being perfectly joined together, you know, of course, with our spouse. So this is a really good time to talk about it. And specifically, the verses that they reference in Come Follow Me, it's in the section that's called My Body is Sacred. And then there's also a little section down in the study for families that you can talk about with your kids. And, you know, it has a couple different ideas. But the scriptures it specifically references are 13, 19, and 20 in 1 Corinthians 6. It says, Now the body is not for fornication, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. And 19, know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? For ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. So, again, Paul was writing to the Corinthians because they were like, engaged in all kinds of stuff that like I think would even blow our minds in this wicked world that we live in today like it was even worse like than we can possibly even imagine so he was kind of addressing that but still again it's a good time to talk to our kids because it's always a good time to talk to our kids about sex and sexuality and we're going to talk about why that is okay so first who am I and why do I feel like I need to be giving you guys this talk well I am a parent of a 13-year-old boy, so I do have some experience, like, talking about this kind of thing. I'm also someone who has worked with thousands of teens day in and day out, and I taught digital citizenship to all of these teens, and part of digital citizenship is staying away from pornography and staying away from sexting and things like that online. So we talk a lot about relationships online and using social media in relationships and how to stay away from, like, you know, the yucky stuff out there. So I've talked to a lot of teens about their relationships online and just their relationships in general. I've also seen a lot of their behaviors you know, day in and day out interacting with these kids. Um, I've called them out many times on different things that they are doing that are inappropriate with the opposite sex. So, you know, I've seen it. And that's why I feel like it's so important because I've had a firsthand witness of like what these kids are up to, right? Um, Also, I've been a young women's leader in my past. You know, I'm not currently in the young women's organization, but I haven't been in the past. So I've given like tons of chastity talks. It's not something I'm afraid to do. So I feel like, you know, it's, it's good to get this out there and get this in the open so that parents, you know, are aware that, yeah, we need to be talking to our kids about this. And also, I'm just someone who cares about kids. I care about our kids. I care about our teens. I want them to be happy and healthy and have good relationships when they get older. So I want to put this out there. If I can help any kids or anyone, any parents feel more comfortable with this, that's what I'm here for. That's what I'm all about. Um, Also, I felt really prompted I needed to do this. And so that's why I'm doing it. Who am I not? Okay, so that's who I am. So who am I not? I am not your child's parent. So I may say things that you're like, nope, that doesn't work for my kid. Cool. Don't listen to me because I'm not an expert on your kid. You are an expert on your kid. So you know what's best for them. I am not your church leader. Okay, so I am not going to be the one that you need to go to absolutely as like, this is gospel doctrine, okay? Things I say are completely and totally according to Lexi. Don't take me as gospel doctrine. 
I am also not a source of revelation for your family. You are the source of revelation for your family and the guidance that they need. So I wanted to put that caveat out there that you may not agree with some of the things I say. That's cool. I'm fine with that. You are the one who makes the choices and guides your family. So I wanted to make sure that definitely you know that 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 role is there. And not to listen to me. If you hear me say something that you don't agree with, just don't listen to me. It's okay. I'm going to try and stay true to um, the For the Strength of Youth and True to the Faith. Those are going to be two of the resources that I'm using today as we go through. But I'm also going to have some resources from like the CDC and the Journal of Pediatrics, that kind of thing. So we're going to talk all about all that. So, first off, we need to be talking to our kids about sex. We do, guys. And why? Let me share some stats with you. Okay, this is from the Youth Risk Behavior Surveillance System, which is a model that's done by the CDC every year. They go out and they pull high schoolers all across the United States, and it's anonymous, and the high schoolers kind of go through this little survey where they check off all the different behaviors that they're engaging in, and some of them are a little scary. In fact, if you ever want to be just terrified for the youth of today, you can go look this up. The Youth Risk Behavior Surveillance System by the CDC. Go look it up. It's got not just statistics on sex, but also on drug use and drinking and all kinds of just like scary stuff. So, um, yeah, if you want to not sleep at night, go look that up. But here's some things that it had to say. Among U.S. high school students surveyed in 2017, because they haven't put together the 2018 yet, 40% had had sexual intercourse. 10% had had four or more sexual partners. 7% had been physically forced to have sexual intercourse when they did not want to. 30% had had sexual intercourse during the previous three months, and of these, 46% did not use a condom, 14% did not use any method to prevent pregnancy, and 19% had drunk alcohol or used drugs before the last sexual intercourse. Alright, so if that doesn't scare you enough, then there's also the whole world of social media and online stuff and sexting. And sexting is like the biggest plague on our teenagers right now. I really hate it because it is so prevalent. And the Journal of American Medicine Pediatrics says that one in seven teens reports that they are sending sexts. So I want you to think about how many young men and young women are in your ward. And just statistically, one in seven of those is sending sex, okay? And then one in four are receiving sext. And if you don't, don't know what a sext is, it's a sexual text message. And it can contain sexual content as in like, you know, just they're talking about sex, they're talking about sexual things, or actual pictures of themselves, you know, and just nasty stuff kind of sending to each other, right? So that is what I see all over the place in middle school. Also, I will tell you, it's happening with younger and younger kids. The first time we ever caught it at the middle school I was working at was between two 11-year-olds. They were sending sexual pictures to each other. 11! Like, that wasn't even out of primary at that point. They, these would have been two primary-age kids sending these. So, it's happening at younger and younger ages. They're being exposed to this stuff at younger and younger ages, which is why we as parents need to be even more diligent than ever before. Alright, also, other stuff that happens online. Pornography. Covenant Eyes, which is a really great website for anti-pornography, says 9 out of 10 boys and 6 out of 10 girls are exposed to pornography online before the age of 18. 9 out of 10 boys. That scares me as the mother of a teenage boy. 
All right, it also says their first exposure to pornography among boys is 12 years old on average. As the mother of a 13-year-old boy, that scares me. Those are terrifying statistics. Everything I just read to you is terrifying. That is the world our kids are growing up in. And if our kids aren't participating in that stuff, then their friends are and they're hearing about it. So, that's the world they're growing up in. They're getting messages about sex 24-7. And if we are not there in their ear, providing the opposite version of what they're hearing, they're not going to have anybody else to lean on. And so that's why I feel like it's so important to be having these conversations with our kids and not just like a conversation, but an open dialogue where we're constantly talking to our kids about sexuality and about sex in good and healthy and wholesome and spiritually encouraging ways. And so that's kind of what I wanted to talk to you guys about today. Okay. (laughs) That was a lot. All right. So the law of chastity, it is more than don't have sex until you're married. And I think a lot of times we culturally tend to like ritualize like the birds and the bees talk or, you know, the sex talk or, you know, we're all going to dress up in our Sunday clothes and go drive to the grounds of the temple and talk about, you know, how we want to wait till we're married. And, you know, that's all well and good. But again, your kids are getting these messages 24 seven. We need to be able to fight these messages 24 seven with things that the Lord has given us. I wouldn't say just save it for like the special moments or whatever. It needs to be like kind of a daily thing. All right. And my favorite thing, my favorite scripture to use when talking about the law of chastity is in Alma. And it's Alma talking to his son Shiblin and it's Alma 38, 12. See that ye bridle all your passions that ye may be filled with love. And I love that because if you think about bridle, bridle is a thing that you put on a horse, right? And, you know, they've got the little bit in their mouth and you can use that bridle to turn their heads, you know, whatever direction you want them to go in. And so that's what we need to do to our thoughts and to our actions in this world where we are constantly being bombarded by these messages. We need to be able to turn our thoughts and our body and our actions in the direction that the Lord would want us ha- us go. And I love the other part of that phrase, that ye may be filled with love. If we can control our thoughts and our actions, then we can be filled with love for each other. And that love can be pure. And that's when we talk about purity and chastity. It's that love that we want to have that pure love for our spouse. And when we talk about chastity, it is a really tricky commandment. It's probably one of the most unique commandments out there that I can think of because there is no other commandment that says, don't do this. Don't do this thing until this time. And then after this time, do it and really, really enjoy it. Like, I can't think of any other commandment out there like that. Like, thou shalt not lie until this time, and then pick this one person, and you can lie all day long to that person and have a really good time lying to them. Like, there's just not another commandment. Like, do you see how that's kind of crazy? So when we go and we talk to our kids about the law of chastity, it's really kind of difficult to phrase that in a way that doesn't kind of like their minds or not make sense to them, because commandments are things that you're just not supposed to do, like, ever. But this is a commandment you're not supposed to do until a certain time. And then you find somebody and you know you you get married and then you're supposed to enjoy it. And that can kind of do a number, I think, on a lot of their little brains because they're like, sex is bad, but now sex is good. And I saw that, I think when I was out at BYU, I saw that with several different girls where they were terrified of sex, even after they got married, because they had been told their whole life it was bad. 
And then you also see it in kids where they're told sex is bad, and then they go and they, like, make out with someone, and they're like, uh, this is not bad, this feels really good. And so then they get confused about that, too. So I think we need to be upfront with our kids. And again, this is a, opinion according to Lexi, that we need to talk to them and tell them, like, it's a great thing. And it is awesome, but you've got to save it for that one person. And there's lots of reasons why. So to start off with what the law of chastity is, I went to sexual purity in the further strength of youth. And the bottom line, just like, boom, definition of the law of chastity is do not have any sexual relations before marriage and be completely faithful to your spouse after marriage. And it goes on to say, physical intimacy between husband and wife is beautiful and sacred. It is ordained of God for the creation of children and for the expression of love between husband and wife. God has commanded that sexual intimacy be reserved for marriage. And so that's where we say, you know, it's beautiful. And the talk that is referenced in this week's Come Follow Me, the Wendy Nelson talk, goes into this even further. It's beautiful. She does a great job with this. But, you know, so sex is good. They need to know that. These feelings that you're having, they're going to feel good. You go and you kiss someone, it's going to feel good. You hold their hand, it's going to feel good. But you need to go back to that bridling, like all those feelings, so that you can be filled with pure love for that other person. And that's where that scripture from Alma, I think, is so powerful. So, lessons we need to be teaching about sex to our kids beyond just wait till you're married. One of the lessons that I feel the strongest about, I guess because I see it a lot just in working with teens and I hear stories about it a lot too, is consent. We need to be talking about consent with our kids. And we think, oh, we don't need to be talking about consent with them because they're not having sex until they're married. Well, consent still comes into play after they're married, right? And, you know, heaven forbid that they do stuff before they're married. They still need to know about consent. If someone does something to them that they don't want, they need to know that that's against their consent. Like, we need to be talking about consent with our kids. And for the strength of youth in the sexual purity section says, we treat others with respect not as objects used to satisfy lustful and selfish desires. And so that is something that you can teach without even ever mentioning sex. It's something that you can start setting up, treating others with respect when they are really young. Um, it's something I did with my son. We had a cat, you know, I've told stories before about our current cat. She's kind of evil. But before that, we had a really sweet and wonderful cat. And my son loved to play with this cat. But of course, there would be times where he would get the cat riled up and she would be like scratchy and like a rawr and kind of get him, you know. And so we had talks where we were like, okay, so what are some of the signals that she's giving you that she doesn't want to play right now? You know, and he's like, well, when her ears go back or when she kind of pulls back from me, I'm like, yes, exactly. And so when she starts giving you those signals, what do you need to do? Well, I need to stop petting her. I'm like, exactly. That's perfect. She's telling you she doesn't want to be petted right now. But I want to pet her. She's fluffy. I like to touch her. Well, I get that, but it's not about what you want. It's about what she wants at that moment. And she has a body and she doesn't want you to touch it at that moment. So, you know, going in and talking about consent in that way sets it up later on down the road for talking about like, yeah, she's got a body and you may want to touch it, but if she doesn't want you to touch it, you don't touch it. And I actually tell a story all the time about my husband and I, when we were dating, we had gone on several dates and he actually asked me if he could kiss me. And I told him no, <laughs> because I wasn't sure if I liked him or not. And and we've told that story to my son. 
so that he knows that his dad asked for consent from me before he even ever kissed me and then respected me when I told him no. So I think that's an important lesson for our son to be aware of as well. Okay, and then there's the opposite side of consent. What do you do when someone is doing something that you don't want them to be doing to you? I had an experience when I was a teenager where someone did something to me that I did not want them to do, and I didn't know what to do. I froze because no one had ever taught me how to react in a situation like that. And so when I do my lessons, and it's a di digital citizenship lesson, but I make sure that they know guys and girls, you know, everyone I'm talking to, if someone does something that you are uncomfortable with, physically or they're talking to you in a way that makes you uncomfortable, you have every right to tell them to stop. And you have every right to make a scene and to walk away. You don't just need to freeze. If they're doing something that's making you uncomfortable, you have the right to tell them that that's not okay. And that's part of consent too, is knowing that when you are involved in something with another person, you need to make sure you are either agreeing with it or not agreeing with it. And if you're really not sure, then that's not agreeing with it. I think that is a really important lesson that we need to have when we're talking to our kids about sex. All right, the next thing, let's talk about sexting because that actually comes under consent as well. Um, so, you know, I told you that really scary statistic that one in seven kids is sending sex and then one in four is receiving them, which means a lot of these kids are receiving sexed text messages and they're not asking for them. They're showing up unbidden on their phone. They're not consenting to receiving these sexed messages. Now, here's the issue. And I don't know what the law is in all the different states and areas in the world where you are currently residing, but in the state of Alabama, sending a sext of a minor is actually distribution of child pornography. And kids can get in major trouble for doing this, for sending these pictures. And even just talking just sexually to another kid, they can get in serious trouble. Um, an example of this is we had a local high school where the guys on the football team had all these pictures of the cheerleaders and they had a Dropbox account. And they were taking the pictures and they were kind of hoarding them all together in this Dropbox account and all the different guys on the football team had access to it. And so so because of that, when word got out and local law enforcement found out, okay, these guys have in their possession child pornography because the cheerleaders were under the age of 18 and they were distributing it to others. So all of a sudden the police show up at this high school, they walk in, they handcuff most of the football team and walk them out to the cars. The reason I know this story is because we had the lawyer who's representing three of the guys on the team come to our school and talk to our kids about this and say, this is how I meet most of you. And he had a kid come up and he handcuffed him and he's like, this is how I meet most of you. Handcuffed like this because you've done something stupid on your phone. And he talks to them a little bit about that. But they don't get it that I'm taking this picture of myself and I'm sending it to someone. Well, you just created and distributed child pornography. And if you are found guilty of that, there's all kinds of sentences that come with it. You have the brand of sex offender, like, tacked onto your name. And it does all kinds of stuff. Like, you can't live near a school. You can't live near any places where kids might be. You don't get to celebrate Halloween anymore. They take you and they lock you in a gym overnight on Halloween because of all the kids that are running around. I mean, there's all kinds of rules that you have when you're a sex offender 
just because you sent some pictures or had some pictures on your phone when you were a kid. I mean, it's harsh, but that is the society we're living in today. So that's why our kids need to be extra, extra careful. When it comes to consent with those, if they're showing up on their phone unbidden, the lawyer says what you have to do and teach your kids to do this. You open up the text message, the picture pops up, you have 30 seconds to delete it off your phone. 30 seconds to say, oops, I didn't mean to get that. Delete, gone right? And they can actually go in and they can do forensic stuff on your cell phone to see how long the picture was open and how long you had it. Make sure your kids know if someone sends you a picture like that, don't just store it on your phone. Oh, I was going to show like my mom later to make sure she knew that this was not okay or whatever. No, delete it. And then tell somebody, tell your trusted adult. And that goes into a whole nother thing. Talk to your kids about who their trusted adults are. If they're not comfortable talking to you about this type of stuff, make sure that they have someone who is responsible that they can go to, whether it be their young women's leader, their bishop, their teacher at school, their coach, whoever it is, make sure that they've got somebody there. You know, maybe it's your parents or maybe it's their aunt or their uncle or a cousin that they've got somebody that they can rely on and they can ask questions about this kind of stuff and they can talk to. Because a lot of times it can be really traumatizing. You know, you're just sitting there playing Clash of Clans on your phone and this picture pops up, you know, and you're a 13-year-old boy and you don't know what to do with that, right? So they need to make sure that they know that they've got somebody that they can trust, that they can talk to. And it may not always be you. Honestly, part of teenage development is pulling away from your parents. That's a natural progression and it's okay. We need to be there to spark these conversations, but understand that sometimes our kids may not be comfortable coming to us to talk about them. Just make sure that they have trusted adults in their lives that they can talk to about this. Going back to sexting. So I see a lot when I see these kids who are, you know, sending sex to each other and the conversations that I've had with them, I've heard multiple things from different kids talking about this, but one of the conversations that I had with a girl, she was 14 years old and she'd been sending these out and I asked her, I'm like, why are you doing this? Like, you know, this is not good. And she's like, but I didn't. No one ever told me not to send these pictures. And I just looked at her straight in the face and I'm like, this is me telling you right now, do not send naked pictures of yourself to people. This is me telling you that. So some of them, it just is common sense. Like they just, oh, no one ever told me I shouldn't send naked pictures of myself to other people. Well, this is me telling you. And I tell them that in the digital citizenship lessons. This is me telling you, do not send these pictures to people. I see girls do this a lot though for attention from guys. And they're hoping that if they send guys these pictures, the guys will pay attention to them and they'll give them the attention that they want. I see guys ask for it from girls promising to give them that attention. In a society where girls feel so closed off and kind of looked at all the time because we live in a society that sexualizes our girls, especially our young girls, so much. Okay, well, if I be the sexual persona that you want me to be, then I'll get the attention that I want because that's what the world teaches them. Um, If you look on social media, on Instagram, on TikTok, on any of these Snapchat, any of these sites that these kids are using, these girls have become masters of marketing and branding themselves. Like they could give any marketing major a run for their money because they know what their good side is. They know how to get their best, most flattering selfie out there. They know the things that they need to put out there to get the most followers, to get the most likes. They know how to best market themselves and they start seeing themselves as a product to market out because they want that attention because they are so focused on social media and digital relationships, which do not fulfill us anywhere near as much as face-to-face personal relationships do. So these kids are lonely 
and they're seeking relationships. They think they've got it online, but they don't. And so that is a huge component when it comes to the law of chastity that I think sometimes we miss is that kids are lonely and that's why they violate this law because they don't want to be lonely anymore. And so they find ways to violate this law that will get them the attention they feel like they want. Whereas if they were just to go like hang out in a wholesome environment face to face with a lot of these kids, they may get the attention they want without having to violate the law of chastity. That is all about sexting. Also, I want to say, sexting is something that has popped up relatively recently, and when we talk to our kids about the law of chastity and about the things that are related with it, we need to know that five years down the road, sexting may not be the issue. It may be something completely different. And so being prepared or preparing them for future threats is a part of talking about chastity. Like, what do you do when there's sexual content and you're not sure if this is okay or not? What do you do if you're not sure if this violates the law of chastity or not? How do you go to your heavenly father? And how do you talk to your bishop about this? How do you talk to your young women's leader about this? Again, it's finding that trusted adult to know if this is like a law of chastity thing, right? because our world is constantly changing. Satan's constantly finding new ways to tempt and influence our kids. And so what's big and bad today may be something totally different tomorrow. One of the things I think that the law of chastity does, and I talked a little bit about this just a minute ago, is that these kids are looking for attention and they're looking for love and affection. And that's why they're violating the law of chastity. But they don't seem to understand that even if you violate that law of chastity with that person, you have that relationship with that person, you are missing out on all the good and personal stuff that you find out about that person when you're not engaging in that behavior. You know, if you think about like, let's say sex is chocolate cake. So if all you eat is chocolate cake, it's not good. I mean, it tastes real good. And you know, you're going to like that chocolate cake, but in the end, you won't be healthy. A relationship that's based completely on sexual feelings is not going to be healthy. You need those vegetables too. You need to spend that time away from like the sexual feelings and stuff like that to become mentally and emotionally intimate with that person as well. You need to find out what do they like? What do they not like? What is their personality like? Can they make you laugh? You know, all these different things that make up a good, healthy relationship is missing when you are focusing so much on the physical aspect of it. And I don't think kids realize that as well, that relationships are so much more than just the physical aspect because they're so driven by hormones. And we know that their hormones are like little fireworks going off in their heads, like all the time. And they don't have like the front part of the brain, the prefrontal cortex fully developed yet to put the brakes on all those fireworks exploding in their limbic system. So that of course they're making all kinds of crazy decisions and we've got to help them make that connection that when these hormones kind of flood their brains, they need to put the brakes on because they need to bridle their passions so that they can be filled with love with this person. Put down the chocolate cake so that you can eat some vegetables and be a little bit healthier in this relationship, right? So that's one of the reasons that we want them to, we want them to be healthy when it comes to the law of chastity. And True the Faith even talks about it. It says, when people care for one another enough to keep the law of chastity, their love, their trust, and commitment increase, resulting in greater happiness and unity. And that's what the law of chastity is about. It's about greater happiness and unity. You have greater commitment when you are not just focused on the physical. Now, a big part about this, and I talked just a little bit about their biology. <laughs> the kids, oh my gosh, their biology is crazy at this stage. True the Faith says, remaining sexually pure helps you to be confident and truly happy and improves your ability to make good decisions. 
improves your ability to make good decisions because when you're in the middle of like a sexual relationship, these kids, they're not making good decisions, obviously, but also they've got that oxytocin flowing through their bloodstream. And oxytocin is the bonding chemical. It's the chemical that you have between mothers and newborns. It's the chemical that you have during sexual experiences that bonds you to your spouse. But they're using that chemical outside of marriage and they're bonding to that other person. And I see a lot of times guys are bonding because of that testosterone that's flowing through their body and girls are bonding because they want that love and attention. And that ends in heartache because the guy can walk off and the girl's like, but wait, I thought we were. No, you weren't. I'm sorry. So biology, it messes with them. It's a really good reason for them to keep the law of chastity because the biology is kind of playing against them at this point. All right. So to keep the law of chastity, staying away from temptation. So from, for the strength of youth, it says avoid situations that invite increased temptation, such as late night or overnight activities away from home or activities where there's a lack of adult supervision. Do not participate in discussions of, or any media that arouse sexual feelings. That's our, you know, sexting we talked about. Um, do not participate in any type of pornography. And the spirit can help you know when you are at risk and give you the strength to remove yourself from the situation. Have faith in and be obedient to the righteous counsel of your parents and your leaders and your trusted adults. I'd also put that in there too. One of the things that we have done to remove temptation in our house, because I didn't even want to deal with this with my kid. I'm like, I don't even want to deal with like all the mess that's that can come from sexting and pornography and stuff like that is we have several rules about the cell phone. He does have a cell phone. We do not let him take it into the bedroom or bathroom by himself. All right. He uses it. He uses it in the family room. And not only does he, he use it in the family room, but we also use our phones in the family room and in common areas. We all have our computers in the family room and in common areas. None of us take our phones or our computers into bedrooms. Um, with the exception of when I do my podcast, which I'm doing right now. That's the only exception I can think of. But we also model that behavior for him as well to show him, hey, this is how healthy relationships with technology work. You know, when you can be out in the middle of everyone, that's a healthy relationship with technology. When you need to be squirreled away in a closet somewhere, you know, that's not necessarily something good that you're doing with technology. I'm squirreled away in a closet right now because I'm recording and the acoustics are better. <laughs> but other than that, um, we're talking about, you know, other stuff. Also, I would say if your kids have access to technology like computers and cell phones, make sure that you're checking them regularly, including their internet history. Also, make sure that you're checking their apps, that you have access to the social media that they're using, um, whether it be Instagram or TikTok or Snapchat, whatever it is that they're using, make sure that you have access to it and know how they can find pornography very easily on those particular social media sites. They can even use emojis in Instagram, eggplant. Ask them about the eggplant emoji. They'll know about that. So make sure that they're not finding stuff, you know, accidentally or on purpose through the social media apps. Make sure that the stuff on their phone, the messages that they're receiving from their friends are not going to be ones that get them in trouble. And also the ones that they're sending out are not going to be, you know, troubling. And I think the best thing about that part of the, For the Strength of Youth that I just read was the spirit can help you know when you are at risk and give you the strength to remove yourself from the situation. I think of Joseph of Egypt, you know, with Potiphar's wife. Um, and he knew this is wrong and he got out of there. Again, down the road, there may be a whole new host of temptations that we can't even think about today. But if we teach our kids, when you know that this is wrong, jump up and get out of there, whatever the situation is. And have that relationship with them that, hey, 
you know, if you call me from a party, I will come get you. It doesn't matter what you're doing. It doesn't matter what happened at the party. I will come get you and it will be okay. I've even heard of some families use what they call a text-it strategy where the kid will text the parent X, just the letter X. It means that they're in a situation that they are uncomfortable with and then the parent can call and be like, hey, I need you to come home. And then they can pull up at wherever the kid is and have the kid get in the car and the parent can be the mean bad one that's making the kid leave so the kid doesn't look uncool in front of his friends but can still get out of a bad situation. So the text it strategy, remember that. Teach your kids that if they're ever uncomfortable, text you just the letter X and you will come get them, no questions asked, right? So it's a good way to help keep your kids safe. All right, another thing that For the Strength of Youth talks about is homosexual and lesbian behavior. Um, And I just wanted to point out, I'm not going to go too deep into it. I will tell you that I'm seeing in the middle school scene, and my son has even reported to to me this at his middle school as well, we start seeing this more and more, especially in our young girls, that they have like these little cliques of girls who consider themselves to be lesbian and that they all have crushes on each other, or they all love each other, or they're girlfriends, and everyone's really supportive because they've come out, and I think maybe, yeah, maybe there is a little bit of, like, homosexual attraction or something going on there, but I tend to think that a lot of them are doing it for the attention at this age, just because they're so desperate for attention, so just keep in mind that when I'm talking about this, I'm talking about, like, 11 to 14-year-old, like, this is where I'm seeing this behavior happening. So make sure that you know you, you are aware of that, that this isn't just for older kids, like this is for younger kids, although I think the younger kids might be more attention seeking, whereas the older kids might be a little bit more like serious about it. But if you are seeing that particular behavior in someone you love, the church has a website. It's called Mormon and Gay, Mormon and Gay dot Church of Jesus Christ dot org. And I don't know what they're going to do with the name of it once they, you know, because the church changed its name. So I don't know what that Mormon and Gay is going to go to. But for now, currently, it is mormonandgay.churchofjesuschrist.org. So if you have questions about the church or the church's stance on homosexuality, anything like that, and that's what Paul was addressing in Corinthians, yeah, you can go to that website and it'll have all kinds of good information for you. Now, for the strength of youth, also mentions about victims of sexual abuse. So what about unwanted attention and abuse? You know, things that go against people's consent. And I especially want to bring that up in the era of Me Too. You know, the hashtag Me Too movement that happened about a year ago. Um, For the Strength of Youth says, Victims of sexual abuse are not guilty of sin, and they do not need to repent. If you have been a victim of abuse, know that you are innocent and that God loves you. Talk to your parents or another trusted adult and seek your bishop's counsel immediately. Seek his counsel not because you're in trouble, but because you need his help. If you have been a victim of abuse, you need help. They can support you spiritually and assist you in getting the protection and help that you need. The process of healing may take time. Trust in the Savior. He will heal you and give you peace. Um... I've had lots of little girls, maybe the boys, I just didn't even know it, but lots of little girls that have been part of like my library aides and things like that, that have told me about situations where they have been, you know, victims of sexual advances or in one case it was sexual abuse. And I mean, these precious babies just, it breaks my heart to see how much that they hurt. And so if anyone is listening to this and they are victims of unwanted sexual advances or sexual abuse, please know that you are not at fault. And also, you are not broken. 
that you can heal from this. You just need to get some help with it. And it may have to go past your bishop. It may have to go to a professional therapist or counselor or psychiatrist, which, you know, I'm all about some therapy, so I totally support that. But yeah, you may need help with that. I will also talk about the hashtag MeToo movement is it's real. I mean, you would not believe some of the things that I have heard these boys say to girls. Um, And whenever I hear it, oh, they get in trouble. One kid, mm, he was watching this girl walk down the hallway. He yelled something out to her about her booty. And I grabbed him by the back of the shirt and dragged him into the library. And I was like, where are you supposed to be going? He's like, supposed to be going to PE. I'm like, you're not going to PE today. You're staying in the library and cleaning windows. And, you know, we had a whole talk about you don't talk to people that way. And this, again, this is a lesson when I talk to my kids. I tell them, if it's not your body, you don't get to comment on it. I don't care what her butt looks like in those jeans. You don't get to tell her what it looks like, okay? You don't get to say anything to anyone. And this goes for the girls, too, because the girls will be just as aggressive to the guys as the guys are to the girls. Girls, you don't get to say anything about his butt either, right? And so we talk about that. You don't get to comment. You don't get to say those things to that person because it's not your body. You don't get to talk about it. I talked to my son about that as well. And my husband didn't realize, like, what a problem this was. He even was like, he came home one night and we were talking. We are getting ready for bed. I think I was reading. And so he was like, can you believe this Me Too movement? Everyone's saying Me Too, Me Too. And he's like, I don't think all that many people have been part of Me Too. And I was like, well, and I looked up at him and I'm like, well, people have said stuff to me. And I went back to my book and started reading. He's like, yeah, right. What did they say? And so I repeated back some of the stuff that boys had said to me in high school. And his jaw like dropped. And he was like, how can you be so nonchalant about it? I'm like, well, first of all, it was 20 years ago. And second of all, I mean, it just, it happens. Guys just say stuff like that. Especially, you know, I was very well endowed, let's say, at a young age. And so I heard a lot of it, a lot, because of the way my body looked. And he just was shocked. That's the things that guys had said to me in high school. And that was 20 years ago. So think about the things that guys are saying now when they've had more access to pornography. Things that they're saying now to the girls. I mean, it's it's rough. I promise you it's rough. And I did whatever I could to stop it from happening within my sphere of influence. But not every kid is within my sphere of influence. And it even happens at church. I was chaperoning a youth dance. This was several years ago, and one of the young men in another ward said something to one of the young women in my ward, and she came up to me, and she was like, Sister Austin, so-and-so said this thing about me, and blah, blah, and I was like, oh, no, and so I stomped on over to that young men's leader, and I was like, "Uh, you need to know that Billy over here, that wasn't his name, Billy over here said this to my young woman, and you need to go talk to him, or I will go talk to him. And the young man's leader was like, okay, I'll, I'll take care of it. Like, thank you. Because it happens. And they don't realize, like, yeah, you're really kind of hurting this other person when you make these comments about their body. So that is, I guess, almost even being a victim of an unwanted sexual advance. It's sexual harassment, too. Um, and kids can be charged with sexual harassment if they make enough of those comments in a repeated manner. So make sure your kids know not to comment on somebody else's body in a sexual manner. It's just bad. It's not good. And if someone has commented on their body, it's not their fault. Also, at the very end of all this, make sure our kids know that the atonement of Jesus Christ is in full effect. For the Strength of Youth says, If you have committed sexual transgression, talk to your bishop now and begin the process of repentance so that you can find peace and have the full companionship of the Spirit. And I think a lot of times our kids think if they go and talk to the bishop, it's because they're in trouble. And... 
That's not it at all. It's not like going to the principal's office, right? When you go and you talk to the bishop about a sexual sin, it's all about love. It's about, you know, that transgression has pushed you away from your Heavenly Father, and the bishop is there to knit that relationship back together and bring you back to your Heavenly Father. It's about your Heavenly Father wanting to heal you from that transgression. And that's what the atonement of Jesus Christ does. It heals sin. It covers sin. And that's where what we read this week in Come Follow Me comes in. 1 Corinthians 6.20 For ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit which are God's. So yeah, you may have committed that sexual transgression, but you know what? Ye are bought with a price and that price has been paid. Christ paid that price for you. And you are clean because of him. You can become clean because of him. And I love that because I've always read that verse as in like, yeah, my body's not my own, so I need to respect and do what God wants with it. But this week when I went back and I read it, I was like, no, that is about the atonement. It's about saying, you know, yeah, when I mess up in this body, this body's not my own. Christ has bought it with his atonement. And that can bring me closer to God and closer to Christ. So whenever we talk about the law of chastity, we've got to talk about the atonement and the healing effect that the atonement can have on those who have violated the law of chastity. Because going back to those CDC statistics, over 40% of our kids have or will by the time they are 18. So we need to make sure that they know about atonement and that adolescence is the perfect time to apply the atonement. And, you know, you make those mistakes, apply the atonement, feel the love of Jesus Christ in your life, and let him heal you. So that, ladies and gentlemen, is my episode about chastity. Thank you for sticking with me all the way through that. Um, If you have any questions or comments, feel free to reach out to me, thesaviorsaid at gmail.com. I love you guys. I hope you have an awesome week. Bye, y'all. The Savior Said is not an official product or endorsed by The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. All comments and opinions are my own personal opinions and not representative of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. The music used in The Savior Said is Fireflies and Stardust by Kevin McLeod. The hymn quoted in the opening is Come Follow Me, lyrics by John Nicholson. The Come Follow Me curriculum can be found at comefollowme.churchofjesuschrist.org. For show notes, new episode alerts, and other fun and inspirational things, check out my Facebook page at facebook.com slash thesaviorsaid. Have a question or comment? Email me at thesaviorsaid at gmail.com. Content in The Savior Said is copyright protected. All rights are reserved. Thank you for listening.